several years ago in England, there was a six-year-old girl named Lulu. And Lulu, shortly before Christmas, sat down and wrote a letter to God, a short letter that went like this. Dear God, when were you invented? Lulu, and then she signed XO. Her dad found it and had no idea, the dad was not a church person, had no idea what to do with it. So the dad actually, this is a true story, the dad actually sent it to the Archbishop of Canterbury, who at the time was someone named Rowan Williams, who's the one, if you follow sort of church stuff and Anglican communion stuff and Episcopal church stuff, he's the one that's most recognizable by his bushy beard and very bushy eyebrows, truly. And He's probably uh, the most brilliant theologian to be the Archbishop of Canterbury in the last five or six hundred years, which I think makes it all the sweeter that he responded to Lulu. And he responded with a letter that went like this. Dear Lulu, your dad sent me your letter. It's a difficult one. I don't have the exact answers, but I think God might respond something like this. Dear Lulu, No one invented me, but lots of people discovered me and were quite surprised. They discovered me when they looked around at the world and thought it was really beautiful or really mysterious and wondered where it came from. They discovered me when they were very, very quiet on their own and felt a sort of peace and love that they hadn't expected. Then they invented all kinds of ideas about me, some of them sensible and some of them not so sensible. From time to time, I sent them some hints, especially in the life of Jesus, to help them get closer to what I'm really like. But there was nothing and nobody around before me to invent me. Rather like someone who writes a story in a book, I started making up the story of the world and eventually invented human beings like you, who could ask me awkward questions. Archbishop Rowan then concludes, and then God would send you lots of love and sign off. I know God doesn't usually write letters, so I have to do the best that I can on God's behalf. Lots of love from me too. Archbishop Rowan. It's a lovely letter. And I think it's also true. I think it's true that God really was not invented by human beings. And miracle of all miracles, that God was not invented even by the church. Although we sometimes act like we did invent God or even worse, that we're in charge of God or that we can lay boundaries around who God is and who God loves and things like that. But no, God was not invented. And that's in part, that's in part where John's gospel begins the Christmas story. Not not just simply with the birth and Mary and all of that. But John begins the story in in a much larger frame. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is, this is really the starting point of the Christmas story. Not the, the miraculous details, not all the color and all of that. This really is the beginning that God and God's Word 
from the very beginning is, is communicating, is free, is living, is creative, is self-communicative, and constantly creating and communicating with that it created. And, and the translation word here is a little too pedantic. It, it also means um, that God's personality was in the beginning, that God's intelligence was in the beginning communicating, that God's, even God's story is in the beginning and constantly communicating with us. And what it means is that we live in a world from our very first breath that is just cloaked and saturated in God's presence and is therefore very, very mysterious. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I love it where Archbishop Rowan writes that some people discovered God and were very surprised. And I think that's the key. I think that's one of the great keys in life. In order to really trust that you've encountered God, how surprised are you? When have you been surprised by God? I was actually surprised by God on December the 12th, the third Sunday in Advent. I was having a conversation with someone named the Reverend Naomi Washington Leaphart. She works in the city of Philadelphia, and she's the director of a department for the city of Philadelphia called... The, the, the Department of Interfaith and Faith Communities. And this is one of a few departments um, in, the, in the United States that, that are municipalities that have these departments where someone on behalf of the mayor works with faith communities of all kinds and especially works at the, at the intersection of faith communities and the subjects of homelessness and mental health. Naomi and I were talking, and I asked her, I said, what are you thinking about the Christmas story this year? What are you noticing? And she said, I'll tell you what I'm noticing. She said, I, I know that we love this story. I know you love this story. I know you're about to preach about it. I know we're going to have great hymns. But let me tell you what I'm noticing. I, I'm noticing one part that I think Christians and people often forget. That's the tragic dimension of the story. And it comes from Luke's gospel. Now let me pause for a minute before we look at Luke's gospel. I'm really excited to look at Luke's gospel with you because our gospel comes from John. John is my favorite gospel. This cathedral is named after John's gospel. But John's Christmas story is a little abstract. The Christmas story most of us sort of recognize and, and feel. The Christmas story that we had a Christmas pageant with lots of children based upon last night comes from Luke's gospel. Can you imagine if we tried to have a Christmas pageant based on the gospel that you've just heard? But it's in Luke that we get all the pathos. It's Luke that we get all the details. It's in Luke we get all the color and the feeling. And it's in Luke chapter 12 verse 7 that Luke reaches one of his crescendos and says... 
Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, for there was no place for them in the inn. And Naomi said, that's the piece that I'm thinking the most about this year. That's the piece. Because we live in a country and a world with staggering homelessness. And I'm fascinated by the fact that the incarnation begins with a child and a mother, and I don't know what we're supposed to call Joseph, but Joseph, looking for a home and not finding it and having to make this makeshift manger with the angels without a roof over their head. That's the piece that interests me, that tragic piece of the story and what that means for us in terms of our imagination and our moral lives. Do we see Jesus being born in those who are literally seeking shelter? I'm going to tell you, I've preached Christmas, I've been a priest 20 years. I've preached Christmas 20 years. I haven't preached that message before. And probably it's just not what I notice in the Christmas story. It's not what I first think about. And that's probably largely due to the fact that I've had a roof over my head every single day of my life. Luke 2, 7. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger for there was no room for them in the end. God surprises me with the depth of this Christmas story and all the layers of meaning. And one of the essential layers of meaning is that God is literally in Jesus and with Mary and Joseph, literally seeking shelter from breath one seeking shelter. And that means that God even now makes a home with anyone who is seeking a roof over their heads, seeking a place of security, seeking good company, seeking a place to be home, seeking even joy. If Luke begins in the details, John begins in the heavens. And with what all of this means, Not just what it feels like, but what it means. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This too is about the meaning of Christmas. And John's clue here for what it's all about is the word flesh. And flesh in the original language means not just Jesus, not just Mary, not just the first century but all human flesh for all time, which means me and you. And it means that God is making a home with us spiritually. And that as you and I search, as you and I search for our community, as you and I search for our home, as you and I search to be at home in this world, as you and I search for meaning and purpose, for why we are here, that God in Christ is joining us on that search. 
And even as you and I and some of us, for some of us, this is the longest journey. As we seek to be at home with ourselves, God in Christ is there with us in that search. So the great promise of Christmas Day is that with God and in Christ, we are never, ever alone. For God's Spirit dwells in us as we make our way home.